Welcome back, everyone. I got my cup of coffee here. We're off here in the morning. We're going to just be getting this podcast underway. I didn't think it world's worst intro. Welcome to the Max Project, the Max Schmarzo Project, the podcast. You guys all know what this is. You're tuning in. We have a good little episode here. We'll dive into some uh, programming. We'll see if the coffee kicks in and see if we go off the rails here or not. But we're going to start off with a little bit of strength and conditioning because believe it or not, you probably guys probably like that stuff. I like that stuff. I think it's pretty cool. I'm going to be drinking my coffee throughout this, so I apologize in advance. Just the way it is. You got to deal with it. My podcast. I want to drink coffee during the podcast. I get to. And if you want to drink coffee during your podcast, you get to. That's one thing I don't, don't totally get. When people on social media like to follow someone but then complain about their posts that you don't need to follow me you you don't have to follow my page i'm not sure why you're wasting energy commenting things of disagreements towards what i post routinely or for that matter anyone else's posts because nowadays you don't have to follow people. You just don't have to follow anyone. But I guess I assume back in the day, you got a newspaper and you were stuck with that newspaper. You had a set number of TV channels and you're stuck with those TV channels. And so even though you might not like, you know, the majority of what you have to read on that newspaper or on the TV, it's your source of information. You can't really change. But nowadays we have so much stuff. So that's actually a different topic too, whether or not that's a good thing. We have all these things. We have, we have so much information out there that you can pick and choose to engage with. And unfortunately, and fortunately, it is curated to your interests. So the fortunate thing is you might actually like some of the stuff more often that you see. You know, you're on Instagram or social media and you see posts that you are interested in. That's good. That's a good thing if you're seeking out information. But it's also a bad thing because you just get bombarded with clutter. It seems like the only way to stand out if you're a producer within the realm of clutter is you have to do kind of outrageous things. Imagine we're on a bell curve. You guys probably remember a bell curve. Maybe not. I don't know. I assume you guys have an understanding of that. It's like a little hill type curvy thing (laughs) that implies... Uh, certain standard deviations within the norm. And so it's like a distribution of, say, content in this case. Now, you can think about it as everything to the right of that bell curve towards that little tail end of that slope people engage with. It's unique. Then there's that middle ground, which is, oh, everyone else does that. And there's that far left, which you're like, oh, this is, I don't call it stupid, but not very engaging. And a lot of programming and information we do is kind of in that middle realm. And so with that in mind, we're cluttered by other people doing similar things in nature. It's not like, it's not as if our stuff, our programming is somehow insanely unique relative to someone else. You can think about people who you see on social media who are popular, typically are polarizing. They're polarizing 
because that's unique. Not many people are combative like that, but they also have polarizing methods and they say things that this is how you do things. This is why we do things and where we do things and blah, blah, blah. And it's very much outside the norm because you think about this bell curve. We kind of all sit in that middle of typical programming. This person sits on the far end. They make claims that are extreme. And so because of that, you're either going to really agree and find it interesting or really disagree that polarization. And because of that, you have extreme engagement. So by nature, our, our social platforms seem to operate in that way. You can go on Twitter and you can see people reposting stuff about how you shouldn't do things. And it's funny, you never really see, you don't really see that often people posting stuff you should do. Maybe it's just my feed. A lot of people just like to post stuff, but at the end of the day, training is very imperfect. And so why would you, oh, you can't put stuff out there of your athlete doing things. It's always yourself doing things. But guess what? You know, I put posts of my videos of my athletes out there and their form's not always perfect, but that's okay. Because it's life, dude. Like, you're not going to have perfect form every rep. They're a basketball player. They're an athlete. They're not a trained per weightlifter. So... And then we can just go to the nuances of all that. But I'm not here to rant about that stuff. I'm here to talk a little bit about some programming. So we're going to dive into some always an athlete program programming. If I could speak, that'd be cool. Um, and I want to walk through a couple of things. Because I think people see stuff on my social media, which is why this that initial conversation comes from. And they might assume, oh, you know, that's. That's how you do all your programming. You just do banded rhythm squats or you just do frisbee throws. Well, no, it's part of it, I suppose, but not in totality. I'll just walk you through a day. So this is our always an athlete day. This is a past Monday. We start with a barefoot prep. And I like to give, if I'm training online, I'm not working with the person. I like to give bandwidths and spectrums or like something they can operate within. I don't know what's perfect at what time of day you're training. So I say things, um, maybe I'll say six to eight reps or one to two sets or something of that nature. So barefoot prep, we have three different exercises. Whenever we go barefoot, I don't like large amounts of intensity. Again, I don't know every single person who's going to be seeing this programming. So I can't just say, oh, this is a professional athlete. I'm going to have them sprint. So I take it in the very small uh I take it the more safe side, the conservative side. So our barefoot prep, I like to have different vectors, different directions, different rhythm, different timing. And you can have a variety of barefoot exercises you can pick. Sometimes I'll lay out eight and I'll say, pick three that you think are interesting. So you go through that. We had in to out lateral or side to side skips. Again, just working on some rhythm and timing, different vectors acting upon the foot. And we have in play stuff. We have some... Uh, lateral pushes, some backward steps. If I'm going barefoot, the loading is occurring because my shoes are off. And so now my shoes are off. I don't want to just do the same repeated force vectors over and over again. If I just do seven vertical movements, even though they look different, I'm doing like a high knee, I'm doing a hop little thing and a skip thing. Even though they look different, they're really kind of the same impact on the foot. So if I'm going barefoot, and I think in my head, removing the shoe is loading, okay, now I have to apply different vectors of loading. 
So that's where we try the different barefoot stuff, movements, angles, directions, working on the foot to stabilize. And this isn't barefoot as if your feet are on the ground. I guess you can. I just take my shoes off and your socks. And then I, after that, I go into a bound option. So I like to keep single leg contacts around where we're hopping, skipping, jumping. And I put a variety of options on here. If you're not very comfortable, you can use a band assisted bound in place using the band to help you bounce back up and down. Pretty obvious and straightforward. If you are more comfortable, you can use a band without a band. You can do single leg hopping forward. Um, if you're very comfortable, you can do a more advanced band option. Then I add in a, a supercharger, so like a nervous system primer. I'm assuming a lot of people probably are doing this programming when they have in the morning or maybe after work. And sometimes if you're not crazy like me, you need a little bit of a wake up. And so I like to put some unique variability in the beginning of the workout that still stimulates the nervous system in a way that has some potential to, you know, uh, get it going for lack of better words. So we have an isometric hack squat and a band only back squat. Isometric hack squat, three seconds. And when you say three seconds, people go, oh, it's only three seconds of that ISO. Yeah, that's pretty tough, actually. Three seconds of an attempted concentric action is pretty intense. I don't want you going all out with your, you know, blow gasket, but you want to use your quads. And then you pair that with a band-only back squat. Why do we do that? Good question from the audience. Fair. The isometric hack squat, no movement, ability to ramp up intensity, get a feel for your nervous system, essentially. Like, how do I feel? Am I able to produce more force in a very controlled fashion? The band-only back squat, we attach this to the rack. We're going up and down really fast, as fast as we can. Quick, quick, quick. This is a great way to have a little overspeed eccentric. It feels pretty cool. It's a good rhythm to it based on the intensity of the band. And when you have those two kind of combined, combined together, really high contraction rates, so the band-only back squat, and then high contraction intensity, and concept of really getting our nervous system going. Because after that, we have our power work, and we have our barbell isometric contract relax front squat. Really fancy sounding name of a squat, where basically we're just in a front squat position. We partially lower. We pause for a second, and then we lower quickly and reverse it. The reason why I like to do that is because a lot of people, when they just do a speed front squat, they will just dive bomb that initial rep. They'll get in that initial position. It's okay, speed squats. They, woo, they just dive and free fall and bounce back up. And I mean, if you're, some people can do that, sure. So simply the isometric on the initial lowering portion reduces the range of motion which you're falling from. So it reduces the eccentric velocity at that reversal point. So it's still a high speed movement but with a little bit of a constraint involved by reducing some of the range of motion. After that, we have, so that's D1 is paired with a drop jump. Now, if you're comfortable, you can use a medium-sized box. If you're not comfortable, you can jump in place onto a box. And if you're really comfortable, you can, you know, use a large box, whatever's up to you. So we have that high power movement, rapid overcoming of the front squat. And we pair that with a reactive strength stimulus of the drop jump. Because that barbell isometric relaxed contract front squat is going to be power dominant, it shouldn't get in the way fatiguing wise. This is a pure power day, by the way. And at the end of this day, yeah, it's a pure power day. I'll tell you exactly why here. We have a barbell block or rack shrug pull. Hinge pattern. Um, some people are more or less comfortable or more or less or more or not. Some people aren't as comfortable with Olympic movements. It's almost like a clean shrug. Um Pretty straightforward. And that's the day. People say, well, that's the whole, well, how's that a whole training day? Well, first off, it's one of 
But you do six days in a week, but you can break it down to four very easily. It's just one day within a week. That's a pure power. And then at the end of it, I have some optional core, have some single leg balance and some stretch work. So all in all, it's going to be about, say, 45 to 60 minutes. And we just want to be locked in and effective with what we do. And I talked about this on a recent podcast. But when we select exercises, I think people see an exercise and they go, oh, that, is, that the, is, that the exercise, is that the exercise I've been missing? Probably not. We don't know which exercise works best. We know that with under the umbrella of a quality, so I want to work on power, there are many exercises I can select from. So in the same way that you might be developing an economic portfolio of investments, not financial advice, just using as a parallel analogy, you might look at a certain sector of the economy and you want to invest in it. And you might say, well, I think let's, for example, energy is going to be a good sector. And so you invest across different energy companies to mitigate the risk in case one of those companies is completely wrong. The same thing with exercise selection. You pick maybe a variety of exercises that fall within a domain, an umbrella, and you might rotate those knowing that there is some weird random chance that this might not be a very good exercise. So you have some level of risk mitigation. Cool concept. I think it's pretty neat. I like applying economics to, or parallel, what do they call it? Economics. Different, uh, why can't I think? Oh my goodness. Different domains, areas of interest to, Training. My gosh, it's too early. Maybe the coffee hasn't kicked in yet. <laughs> Good Lord. Um, so that's something I consider when programming as a whole. That just, you know, we have certain exercises you want to accomplish. We're going to rotate those in. I like to rotate exercises because I'm not training to be a professional back squatter. I like to rotate exercises every four weeks, essentially. I think a month is a good time period that you can focus on it, typically that first week. Say first week, maybe a little bit longer, maybe a little bit less. Um, you can have some dialing in of the form. And then let's say we're rotating a front squat, a back squat, a you know, other version of a squat. I can't think a safety bar squat. You can pick whatever the heck you want to do. It's not like that squat is so wildly different because they're all within the same thread. It's not like you're rotating a bicycling and Dumbbell curls and a back squat. Well, those are all three really different movement patterns. I'm assuming that the corollary between a front squat and a back squat does exist. There was some aspect of carryover transfer there. So you can rotate those in at a decent pace. Because again, I'm using exercises to train my lower body. I'm not training an exercise. There's a, there's a researcher who talked about novelty is so important in training. They did it with Olympic lifters and part of it because training is kind of mundane and boring at times if you just do the same thing. A lot of coaches would be like, oh, you can just do the same program forever and get results. Yeah, sure. If you're psycho, if you're nuts, you like doing the same thing over and over again. Sure. If you're crazy, one of those crazy people. I don't. Sometimes a mid-workout, I want to change it. Like, oh, gosh, let's try this one. Let's do this one. Let's do that one. If I go in a weight room with a bunch of machines in them that I haven't used before, oh, man. 
abort the workout. We're trying every new pec fly machine there is. It's just how it is. I hate to break it to y'all. I can't resist myself. New machines, I'm going to use them. Why? Novelty. There's actually one time I went to the gym, my buddy, and we had a bunch of a new gym and we had all these machines in it. And we had like a plan to work out. And we go there, oh my gosh. Can you believe all these machines that have it? So we decided to do like one to two sets, basically every machine. But if you know, if you ever go with a buddy who's a meathead too, and you go into the weight room and you say you can do one to two sets of like all the machines you want to try, we'll end up doing three to four of lots of machines. And maybe you go back to machine. I really like that shoulder one. Let's do it again. I remember doing that. And we must have been there for two hours, two and a half hours. We had a big meal afterwards. I was so exhausted. The next day I slept all day. It was totally worth it. It was dope. It was fun. We threw med. I'm actually having videotaped. We threw med balls. We jumped on boxes. We, we did flies. We did Nordic curls. We did dips. We did overhead press. We did this machine lateral raise. Gosh. Actually, it's all coming back. It's all coming back to me right now. Remember that. Um, it's funny. It was a Drake strength speed or speed strength speed. Oh, that was fun. It was that TBK Betplex. Very cool, Jim. Pretty neat. Um, as I go through, I'm pull one more. I have my notes in front of me. I'm trying to make sure I cover all my topics. Talk about the programming. Oh, by the way, that's the always an athlete team. You want to join it, do it. Seven days a week, free trial. My gosh, the world's worst promoter back at it again. We also have our newsletter that just released. I don't edit these. I let this go on one take, one, one take, one shot, one up with the Eminem line. You only got one moment. Oh my gosh. I don't even lose yourself in the moment. You own it. Never let it go. Whoa. Only get one shot. Do not let your chance to blow. The opportunity comes once in a lifetime. Is that what it is? If you have one shot, one opportunity. Oh, that's, that's the intro. I pulled my lyrics up right here. Palms are sweaty. Knees weak. Arms are heavy. There's vomit on his sweater already. Mom's spaghetti. He's nervous. But on the surface, he looks calm and ready to drop bombs. Where's the part I was rapping? That's not the part. Snap back to reality. So far, we've had two podcasts and two Eminem references, and I'm not even that big of an Eminem fan. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, whatever. You can join the newsletter. Check it out. I will not be rapping on there. Maybe I should. Maybe I should pursue an alternative career of hip-hop. Rap. Maybe rap country. Be a cool combo. You never know. Maybe not. Maybe that's not my forte. Um, I think I covered it. Check out the newsletter. Check out the training team. Check out Edu. Check out our supplements. Buy our stuff if you want to. And um, yeah, I think I'm going to end it here today. I had some other things I wanted to showcase to you guys, but I think I'm going to save that for another podcast. I was going to talk a little bit about the Twitter sphere. I did buy the blue check mark on Twitter. Bum, 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 bum. To the man. You gave in to the man, dude. I did. I bought a blue check mark. Hasn't really done much for me. I'm waiting for my clout to step up because I bought it. The followers to pour in. Yet to occur. Um, I do make some posts on there. You can check it out. 
Twitter's funny. Twitter's an interesting place. Twitter's combative. Social media has been weird lately. I kind of liked it three years ago more than I do now. Everything is, I don't learn as much. I end up just seeing people argue on Twitter. Twitter's just like the, it's not the community square or the courtyard, whatever the heck they call it, town square. No, it's just, it's more like a, like a bar at 1 a.m. People are just arguing and looking for fights. It's far from a town square. Some, some bar filled with a bunch of people just trying to antagonize each other with minimal repercussions for what is said. It's not really a town square public debate and forum where you have engaging conversations. It's probably more like a, a Lex Friedman podcast clip. The podcast itself is probably more so like that than this. So, oh, well, well, hope you all have a good one. I'm going to end it there. Appreciate y'all. Take care. Enjoy. And thanks for tuning in.